Welcome to the Sunday Soother Advice Cast, a podcast that takes your dilemmas and gives you insightful advice about how to get to know yourself better and live life in a more meaningful way. I'm your host, Katherine Andrews, a writer and holistic personal development coach and author of the Sunday Soother newsletter. Here, I'll take your questions, reframe your narratives, and give you actionable advice that I promise you will actually have you thinking about how to do things in a different way. Hey everybody, it's Catherine here. I am coming at you from a co-working space in New York City today. I am up visiting my boyfriend and putting together this podcast for you during Mercury Retrograde, which is an act of courage as far as I can tell because a lot of things have gotten messed up. So in the interest of simplicity and getting you content that may not sound perfect or, you know, be of the highest quality. I am still putting um, today's podcast out and I am revisiting a Facebook Live that I did last week and an Instagram TV um, video that I did around several common healing terms and their definitions and sort of trying to demystify them for you so you can apply them broadly into your life. So in the following audio, I talk about everything from boundaries to codependency to the shadow self to ego. A lot of these terms you might have heard but aren't totally sure exactly what they mean or how they might apply to your life. So I'm hoping I can break it down for you a little bit and make them more accessible. And I'd love to hear if you have other terms that you would like grounded or explained or given examples of so you can understand how you might be able to use them better in your life. So enjoy the following and a heads up, I'm going to have a couple of interviews in the next couple of weeks with two really interesting women. Um, One is Katie Seaver, who is a life coach who works more in eating and body image issues. And another is a Sunday Soother reader interview about a woman who experienced burnout in her um, high pain, sort of like high stress corporate communications job and quit and healed from it. And we're going to be talking about her experience um, with burnout and moving on from that and her healing journey. So keep your eyes and ears open for those podcasts coming out in the next couple of weeks. Otherwise, I will see you in the newsletter and the Instagram as usual. And I hope you have a beautiful week ahead. Take care. Hey everybody, it's Catherine here, author and host of The Sunday Soother, and I am here to do a live video on demystifying some common healing personal development terms and concepts that we hear thrown a lot around in this space that we may not totally understand ourselves, Um, which is fine because many of these concepts can be pretty vague or don't come along with a lot of grounded experience to help them understand how we can use them and adapt them in our lives. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Katherine Andrews. I am the author and host of The Sunday Soother, where, which is a community, a newsletter, and a podcast where we discuss everything from skincare to self-reflection to spirituality. And I am also a life coach and a writer based in Washington, D.C. And the reason I'm doing videos like this is about two years ago, I started my own you know, personal healing, spiritual awakening journey, whatever you want to call it. And... As I became more and more conscious about sort of the stories I was telling myself and the patterns that I had been stuck in and the way that I was living my life, you know, I became basically a self-help junkie. I read everything out there. And there are, especially nowadays, so many amazing resources. Um, But a lot of the terms felt, the the books and the resources that were out there felt either really um, too spiritual and sort of like a little bit religious or spiritual or whatever. Um, 
or too academic, right? And I was like, what does this look like for a real person? <laughs> like, I'm just me. I don't want to have to get a PhD in understanding some of these things. I just want to know how I can adapt some of these concepts in my life as I am working towards my own personal healing and awakening and becoming more conscious in the choices that I make. So we're going to be going over um, a few terms that I have commonly heard are difficult to grasp, right? That you guys are like, I don't totally get what these mean or how they can be modeled in my life. So I'm going to start going through them. Um, I guess it's good to put a disclaimer up that I'm not a medical professional, uh, but you know, so you might want to do your own research on these concepts, right? But I think the way we're going to talk about them is going to be helpful to you guys. So far and away, far and away, the most requested term um, that I get asked, people wanting to hear me explain a little bit is boundaries, right? Now boundaries is a huge buzzword and we're all told we should have boundaries. Boundaries are super important. You need to have them in your life right away. And it's like, that's cool, <laughs> but what's a boundary? Okay, so you'll hear a lot of different definitions, but all these definitions are going to be my experiences of these terms, right? So for me, a boundary is a personal rule you set for yourself based on your own self-knowledge about what is good for you and what is not good for you about the things you will or will not permit and tolerate in your life, right? So boundaries are just personal rules for the things you'll accept in your life. Now, I think one of the reasons we struggle so much with boundaries is that because many of us have no awareness around what is good for us, what feels good for us, what feels safe and right for us, right? We've been conditioned to overvalue the needs and expectations and desires and emotions of other people. And we get so used to doing that, that we have not tuned back into ourselves to understand when something is crossing a boundary because it just probably feels normal. So some examples of when you might need to put a boundary in place is when you become aware of a friend who's often criticizing you. Say you have like a frenemy or a friend or whatever who is makes fun of your outfits and every time they do that, you kind of cringe inside, but you're just like, well, whatever, you know, this sort of friendship, right? And um, one day you're like, that doesn't feel good anymore. And I, I want them to stop, but I don't know how to tell them. So what a boundary would look like is you would say to this friend, hey, it makes me feel like crap when you talk, when you insult my outfits, please don't do that again. Right? And this friend may be taken aback because the dynamic has probably been that they've been making fun of your outfits forever. And maybe they think it's truly like funny and that you don't mind it. Or maybe they don't want to stop, you know, because they're getting something out of it. So you would lay down that boundary and say, don't insult my outfits again. And they would either accept it right away and then never, you know, they would shut up about your outfits, right? That would be respecting your boundary. Or they might test the line, right? Like a month, maybe they don't like talk about your outfits for a while, but a month later, they'll make another dig about your outfit. And then you holding that boundary would say like, hey, a month ago, I asked you, don't make fun of my outfits, right? Like, what don't you get about this? And they would be like, oh gosh, I don't know what you're talking about, right? And so then you would keep holding firm on that boundary. And then you would eventually, if they kept crossing it and crossing it and crossing it, you would say, hey, I've asked you multiple times not to make fun of my outfits. If you do it again, I'm gonna have to step back from this friendship, right? So that's what a boundary in action looks like. So we can do those with coworkers, with friends, with our family members. 
um, with ourselves. You know, other examples may be when somebody is hurting your feelings in a way they're talking about something repeatedly in front of you that you've asked them not to talk about, right? You have to say like, hey, I have asked you not to talk about that. Um, so what what is hard in the boundary is the reinforcement of it and then the sticking to it, right? Because sometimes you do have to put a pause in the relationship or a break in the relationship if the boundary gets crossed enough times. So the first step in, in like sort of understanding the boundary is knowing what makes you feel like crap and what doesn't make you feel good and what you won't allow for yourself anymore. Then communicating it to the other person, repeating that communication several times, and if it never sticks, if the person keeps crossing that boundary, then you have to consider if you need to step back from that relationship. So hopefully that helps you understand what boundaries look like. The term I get asked about um, second most to boundaries is codependency, because this is something I talk a lot about. So we, in my opinion, I was shocked to learn the actual definition of codependency isn't about romantic enmeshment. In my head, codependency had been about two people in a romantic relationship who like were together all the time and couldn't do anything without talking, you know, checking with their significant other and they were just always together. But no, I, I was, my mind is blown by this. Like codependency is actually valuing external opinions and emotions of others over your own. It means overreacting to external stuff and to the emotions of others um, and underreacting or muting or burying your own internal needs and emotions um, at the sacrifice so that others are placed, others' emotions and needs are placed above yours, right? So this shows up, this is related to boundaries because it shows up not having good boundaries because you were taught at some level that other people's emotional needs were more important than yours. And somewhere along the way, you have learned or developed the belief that you need to keep serving other people's needs and emotions in order to stay loved, accepted, and needed. So that's codependency, and that shows up as staying uh, too long in relationships that you know are not good for you, and relationships of all sorts, not just um, not just romantic relationships. I see codependency play out a lot in the workplace, right? People staying at um, in in workplace situations that are definitely no longer good for them. Friendships, right? So codependency is when your boundaries are really weak and you're staying in situations longer than you should because you're scared to leave, right? You're scared you'll be rejected. You're scared you won't find that another person to fill those needs for you. Um, you're scared to stand on your, your yourself, you know? You're scared to stand alone. So that's what codependency means. Another term I get asked a lot about is deconditioning. Um, so this is really a technique in a lot of behavioral therapy in which learned responses are unlearned. So this relies on the concept that a huge part of the way that we show up in the world today isn't actually ourselves, believe it or not, but it's our conditioning and our learned behaviors, our family stories, beliefs passed on or modeled to us, societal narratives, right? That are kind of like, for here, it's all the layering that is going on on top of us in terms of thought patterns, beliefs, um, truths, things like that. So... I talk often about how I'm deconditioning my codependency, right? Um, so you can decondition some of these patterns that you have picked up in your childhood and your young adulthood and that are no longer serving you in adulthood, right? It's work, but you can do it. You can unlearn some of these stories and patterns and beliefs that you hold. Um, I think you can learn to decondition your inner critic. 
I think you can learn to decondition self-pity, self-hatred, negative thoughts, any behavior that's not serving you, right? You might need the help of a coach or a therapist to do that. Um, you know, you need to do a lot of inner work to do that de deconditioning, but it's totally possible. You can learn, you can learn to decondition, evolve, and shed out of these layers that no longer serve you. The next term I'm going to talk about is embodiment, okay? So I see this a lot on Instagram, and I talk a lot about it too. Embodiment is a little bit hard for me to explain what it means to me, but um, to me it means we're living out a concept in a full body way, right? So we talk about how we want to be more confident, right? What does a confident person walk like, stand like, talk like, look like, feel like, right? Because confidence isn't just coming from your intellect or your mental abilities or your thought patterns. You're sort of trying to bring this confidence into the world in a whole body sense. Um, you know, what does a feminine person look like? I've been thinking a lot about my feminine side lately. If I want to be more feminine, what does that look like in my body? Uh, am I wearing clothes that are more feminine? Like, how am I bringing the concept of femininity out and down into the physical plane, right? Um, I read a beautiful quote about embodiment somewhere. To be embodied means to live through our sense door. It means to engage oneself in the world through the experiences we feel in our body, through our body, and perceived through our body. So embodiment is a hard concept to grasp because we're a society that runs from the intellect. So when we talk about the concept of feeling things from our body, um, it is like, what are you talking about? We only feel you know, from our head. We only know from our head. We only act from our head. So... And embodiment isn't like, okay, I'm going to think a thing down here and then I'm going to kind of act it out down here. It means kind of bringing this whole self into, into the world in the way you want to be, right? So it's an integration of all parts like our head, our body, um, and our mind, right? All together. So, you know, ways that we can get back there. I think dancing is an incredible way to embody um, yourself, right? Dancing to music that makes you feel sexy, dancing to music that makes you feel joyful, dancing to music that makes you feel any sort of way in your body is a really good way to sort of learn embodiment and get back in touch like in a whole sort of body sort of way. Somatic therapy can be really useful. You can Google around for somatic therapists and practitioners in your area that helps you access additional pathways for healing by focusing attention on embodied experiences that coincide with your intellectual or verbal exchange. So that's a little bit about embodiment. That's a little, that's a little vague. It's a little tricky, but um, it's, it's, it's an important one, right? Because when we're embodied, we're not just living from our intellectual center. We're moving, we're living and feeling through our whole senses. Okay, the next concept I'm going to talk about is ego. Um, this is hard to nail down. There's like a million definitions and ways of thinking about ego. This is what I think of it. I think of ego as your protective sense of self, the automatic sort of way that you think about yourself, that you perceive yourself, that you protect yourself, that you elevate yourself. It's kind of the voice in your head, right? The bad stuff, the inflated stuff, the defensive stuff, and the, the kind and good stuff too, right? So this quote illustrates what the ego is best for me. The ego is a veil between what you think you are and what you actually are. You live under the illusion of the mind, totally unaware that you are directed by a great big load of stories. So 
that's um the ego is wrapped up in everything to do with the healing and personal development journey because you're unlearning a lot of stories that ego has built to has constructed to sort of protect itself and to protect you from the world inner child okay we all have an inner child this is merely uh, conceived as a semi-independent subpersonality, sort of. Um, it's subordinate to the waking conscious mind, so you have to sort of drop into guided meditations or different practices to access your inner child. To me, it's just the part of us that was wounded or had needs unmet when we were a child and sort of retreated into hiding to survive. Um, but if, you know, doing inner child meditations is so powerful, and every time, it's gonna be different. Some people, when they do inner child meditations, they're four, some people are eight years old, you know, you might do whatever. I'm like, I'm probably like five or six every time I do it. Um, and she shows up, right? I can see myself as a young child and I can see her that she's scared, right? Your inner child may be scared. They may be, they may feel worthless. You know, you're going to get a sense of a deep wounding that you have experienced through how your inner child shows up, right? So even if you don't think we ha you have an inner child, you've got an inner child, right? It's just that little protected, beautiful, like shining soul part of yourself that you keep really hidden away because it's so sensitive because it's a child, right? So try out inner child meditations, some of my favorite stuff. Okay, so I get asked a lot about projection. How do I know I'm projecting this? Somebody else projecting on me. So the APA has a good definition of projection. Um, projection is the process by which one attributes one own individual positive or negative characteristics, effects, and impulses to another person or group. This is often a defense mechanism in which unpleasant or unacceptable impulses, stressors, ideas, effects, or responsibilities are attributed to others. So basically projection is when you have uncomfortable emotions or thoughts, but you can't acknowledge that you have or believe those things. And so you attribute them to another person or a group. A very common projection is something saying something like, oh, she hates me. You probably hate her, <laughs> but you don't want to go there, right? So, um, you know, how do you know if you're projecting? You have to, like everything around all of this work, you have to catch your language, right? Are you blaming situations on others frequently? Are you assigning emotions to others frequently or states of being? Are you saying something like, oh, she hates me or some, he is always something or why can't they do this, right? So, what you got to do is pause in those moments and be like, gosh, I, I always say that she hates me. How do I feel about her? Do I actually know that she hates me? You know, do I have any proof around that? So basically projection is just a form of, an emo of emotional displacement that makes it easier to live with ourselves. So we don't have to understand that we're capable of those negative feelings. But we all are, we're humans, right? So get comfortable with that. We'll be talking about that in shadow in a couple of minutes. Okay, the next term, second to last term, self-abandonment. So self-abandonment is when you reject, suppress, or ignore part of yourself in real time. In other words, you have a need or desire you want to meet, and often on the spot, you make the decision not to meet it. One example of self-abandonment I used to deal with was knowing how good working out in yoga made me feel, 
but I would just like drop those plans anytime like a boyfriend wanted to hang out, right? Another example is maybe going out for drinks the night before you have a big meeting or something important to do the next day and having more than you want to drink, even though that you know it will affect you in the morning, right? So to me, self-abandonment is when you decide not to take care or keep promises to future self, to future you, if that makes sense. Because in the moment, something is promising really, um, really good feelings right in that moment. And even though you know it's going to affect you negatively long-term or even in the short term, you decide to abandon those promises that you made to yourself and go with the thing that feels good right in the moment. So hopefully that makes sense. Last but not least is shadow. I love shadow work. It's like the most powerful work you can do to sort of reconcile yourself as a whole human, I think. So shadow is simply hidden or unconscious aspects of oneself, both good and bad, which the ego has either repressed or never recognized. So the shadow is the side of your personality that contains all the parts of yourself that you don't want to admit to having, <laughs> which is unfortunate because we all have them. We have every single shade of humanity in us, the, the, the highest and the most aspirational and the most beautiful and the lowest and the most awful and the darkest, right? And so shadow is kind of like our dark side. And that doesn't mean like we're secretly a murderer. It just means we got some stuff, right? Like it's the stuff we don't want to look at because we're ashamed of it. Um, you know, the aspects of our personality that we pretend don't exist. But and the thing that's so powerful about shadow work and why it's worth doing it, even though it is quite hard to look at what we consider these like shameful parts of ourselves, is um, that shadow stuff is running our lives in, in a lot of ways and we have no awareness of it, right? We might be making decisions out of shadow. Um, so shadow shows up in our life by us making decisions from wounded or angry or annoyed or triggered places, right? Or out of false stories that are no longer serving us. So you want to be making decisions from a conscious, compassionate, whole, informed, thoughtful place. And if you don't look at your shadow, you might not be aware that many of your decisions are being made from a place of shame, of having to not look at that shame. Um, and shadow has so much to teach you. And, and if you don't look at it, shadow's going to be in the driver's seat of the bus of your life. <laughs> and it is for many of us. And you want to move it to the passenger seat. And then you want to move it to the back seat. And then you want to move it to the trunk, right? Um, so I, an example of shadow is looking at the things that drive you crazy, right? We talk about getting triggered a lot, right? Um... But what you want to look at is the triggers that are specific to you, okay? So I find people who are very confident in speaking and in, um, in receiving a lot of attention very annoying. I'm jealous of them, right? So that's kind of a trigger for me. Um, and I believe that's because that's part of my shadow self is I want attention. I want to be noticed. I want to be seen. I want to be looked at. I want to be admired. But at some point I rejected that as a negative thing rather than a positive thing. So look at what drives you crazy and drives you and you alone crazy, right? Because that's going to be 
an entryway into understanding a shadow part of yourself, a rejected part of yourself, that in order to come back to wholeness, you need to take a close look at and see if you can reweave that part back into your life, right? Something like doing a Facebook Live or an Instagram video for me is me trying to like engage with my shadow because it feels very like, oh, look at me, like who do I think I am to be talking about this stuff? But showing up for myself and creating videos and content online that's about my story and is my voice and me speaking is me engaging with a part of myself that I rejected long ago and I'd like to re-embrace. So that's some shadow work that I've done. All right, so we went through a lot. <laughs> Hopefully those made sense. If there are questions or you need examples, I can provide more of those. I think storytelling is one of the most powerful ways to better understand concepts and real world examples can really land some of these more abstract terms for you. So if there are other terms that you would like to hear me discuss, we can... Oh, God, I got comments. Hi, people. I don't know how to do a Facebook Live, I have to say. Thank you for sticking with me. And it's also Mercury's in retrograde, and so God knows this is even going out to the world there. Um, so anyways, if there are other terms you'd like to see more grounded real-world examples and resources around some of these things... Um, I would be happy to answer those. I'm going to end on sharing a few resources to do with these works. Um, Codependent No More will teach you more about codependency and boundaries. Dark Side of the Light Chasers will teach you more about shadow. And those are two really good places to start. Um, Soul Without Shame will teach you about deconditioning the inner critic. And I'm sure I'll think of more. And when I do, I will post them. Otherwise, just go ahead and leave any comments or thoughts in the video or in the Sunday See Their Facebook group. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. I love talking to you guys about this stuff, and I am eager to hear more about the kind of stuff you would like to hear explained that I can help you with. So, namaste. I will see you guys later.